You're listening to In Tune, a podcast series featuring equity research analysts from BMO Capital Markets. Our shows explore key emerging themes, trends, and issues which are important to our institutional clients globally. Hello, this is Brian Belsky, Chief Investment Strategist at BMO Capital Markets, with some post-election views and perspective. An historic night in U.S. politics has limped into the next day, with the 2020 U.S. presidential election still undecided. While we will gladly allow political strategists and pundits to debate the efficacy, let alone usefulness, of pre-election day polls going forward, as investment strategists, we prefer to focus on what we know about the fundamental condition of the U.S. stock market and what could occur as the election drama unfolds. That being said, the next several days or even weeks will not materially change our view as we are investors and thus avoid the emotion and rhetoric that define short-term directional calls in our view. We had the very good fortune of moderating BMO Capital Markets' official post-election conference call with subject matter experts that included Deputy Chief Economist Michael Gregory and Head of Fixed Income Commodities and Currency Strategy Margaret Cairns. Here's Michael Gregory to kick off the formal comments from our conference call. Well, we're all watching uh, the televisions or, or the wire services to uh, see how the uh, election is unfolding. And uh, it's pretty clear that uh, you know, the ballots are still being counted, and particularly in, in, in counties that could still alter a state's result. And this is an important thing to keep in mind here, that this thing is not done yet. Uh, the uh, uh, Even this morning, as we've been preparing some of our reports, uh, we've seen both Wisconsin and Michigan go from a, a, a Trump-leading uh, state to a Biden-leading state. Uh, and uh, we'll probably get a lot more of that back and forth as, as these final uh, ballots get counted. As it stands right now, uh, and this is according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, given where we are right now in the Electoral College vote, uh, the, uh, uh, with Biden at 238 and Trump at 213, uh, and, and that's according, again, to the Wall Street Journal, and they're using the AP's uh, tally that uh, there's some 18 ways for Biden to pick up the 32 votes he needs and nine ways for Trump to pick up the 57 he needs, which is why market-based odds still see a, uh, a Biden uh, victory at this point. Uh, in terms of the Senate race, uh, the uh, the margins and some of the undecideds are a little bit wider than we're seeing at some of the uh, 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 some of the more contentious states. And uh, as a result, it's sure looking like uh, that the uh, Republicans will hold on to the Senate. In fact, uh, we, we may end up with the exact same count we had before the uh, before the election. Uh, and uh, and of course the the house uh, still being uh, controlled by the democrats so uh, so what what's the takeaway here so far not knowing who's winning the, the presidency just yet who or rather who will win one thing is pretty clear that we we were looking it looks like we're heading to a divided congress and uh, and therefore a uh, uh, you know a, a situation where it may be difficult 
to get a, uh, a, a, a the kind of fiscal stimulus bill that was envisioned uh, in a blue wave scenario, for example. And, and I think that's one of the first takeaway is whatever sort of expectations you had on on that kind of fiscal stimulus bill. I think you got to think about uh, what, what has been referred to as a skinny bill or something small like that to get through. And, and that's kind of regardless who wins the presidency. Uh, and uh, the uh, and but nevertheless, now we're, we're still watching that sort of quite closely. And uh, and, uh, and and while we may not get the kind of fiscal relief that maybe uh, we thought we could get, uh, the fact of the matter is the near-term prospects for the U.S. economy, uh, particularly, will be driven by, you know, what's been ha- and as as well as the Canadian economy will be driven by what's happening on the uh, the COVID nineteen infection front and rising case rates on both sides of the border and uh, the um, uh, increasing restrictions and. Uh, uh, and reversal of reopening plans that uh, that, that are resulting in, in jurisdictions uh, across the border, and, and, and uh, so, uh, and I think that's the ultimate uh, factor of uh, going to be affecting growth in the near term. There, there are some implications here, uh, you know, and, and I think Mark McCares will get into this in, in some depth. That with, uh, but the prospects for for a blue wave and, and big, you know, uh, big. Budget deficits and things like that. It, it, you know, it's been good news for for the treasury market uh, going forward. Uh, the, uh, the there are some implications here, regardless who wins, uh, uh, and particularly for the Fed. Uh, you know, Fed Chair Powell's uh, tenure does uh, end in February 2022. So whoever's president is going to have to uh, uh, reappoint uh, him potentially. Uh, uh, you know, obviously with with, with Trump. Uh, 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 criticizing him quite quite openly in the past, one would think that his days may be numbered there. He won't get reappointed, but uh, and and even un- under Biden, uh, um, uh, uh, the uh, Powell being a Republican, maybe he he, he doesn't get uh, uh, renominated as well. But uh, keep in mind that Paul was uh, nominated to the Board of Governors uh, under under the Obama administration uh, uh, as as an appeasement to a. A, a Republican-led Senate at the time. So, in fact, we happen to think that uh, Trump, uh, sorry, Powell has a good uh, a case here of actually getting a, uh, getting renominated for the simple reason that the Fed's uh, change in its monetary policy framework has become extremely politician-friendly, uh, and and we all know that uh, it looks like we probably won't get uh, rate hikes by the Fed until maybe 2024 at the earliest. Uh, now, if if it turns out that uh, Biden does, uh, you know, manage to get uh, victory. Uh, obviously, there's there's this issue of uh, who's going to be the new Treasury Secretary, and uh, on the short list there has been mentioned uh, Fed Governor Brainerd, uh, which uh, um, and, and of course that of course would open up a, a, a another vacancy on the board. And by the way, and, and there's also the uh, the fate of the two Trump nominations. Uh, Judy Shelton and Christopher Waller to the Board of Governors. Uh, Waller, of course, had bipartisan support in committee uh, and, and still has to face a full Senate vote. Uh, 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 Shelton's uh, no, uh, nomination was more controversial, what around par- party lines, and, and there are a number of Republicans that even don't support her uh, candidacy. So, uh, again, we'll have to see how that unfolds uh, going forward. And finally, a new Treasury Secretary may take a more lenient attitude towards uh, uh, the Fed's lending programs. As you know, the Treasury's afforded the Fed a lot of capital to support these programs, and, and it has been argued that maybe the uh, restrictions on that have been a little too uh, uh, difficult or onerous for, for both lenders and borrowers, and maybe that can be loosened up a little bit finally. 
implications for Canada uh, and, the, and the Canadian economy uh, from the outcome. Obviously, if, if, if Mr. Trump uh, proves victorious, uh, it's the status quo, and, and therefore little change from what was happening over the past four years if we end up with a, a Biden presidency. Uh, and again, that, that's where the market odds seem to be pointing towards. Uh, but you know, that would, would be with a, uh, you know, a, a Congress with the potential for gridlock. It's unlikely that anything major can get done. But of course, Biden does have, and the presidency had uh, does have some power in things like trade and things like energy, and, and um, uh, Mr. Biden has already indicated that he would uh, uh, pull uh, the permit for Keystone XL, which of course would have uh, implications for for the energy sector specifically. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it either here for now because I know we'll probably get some Q and A coming afterwards. But I'll pass things over to my colleague uh, Margaret Cairns. Thank you, Michael, and thank you everyone for dialing in today. I'll start off with, in terms of you know, the market pricing uh, overnight and this morning, we have had a pretty large swing in both 10s and 30s. Uh, I think about 19 basis points in 10s and 24 basis points in 30s, uh, bringing us back down uh, to the lower ends of the recent range. I think that this is a classic short covering move, and what's going to be really interesting is to see where we settle uh, as the day, and probably today and tomorrow, as we get through today and tomorrow, uh, we do think that we'll remain at the lower end of the range and tens are likely to test 70 basis points. Uh, but ultimately, we are holding our call uh, for the resumption of the bear flattener into year end with 10-year yields uh, once again approaching the 1% level. And the, that's you know, so that said, we do think that we're in for a couple of days of volatility here. And you know, I think Michael already mentioned this a little bit prior to the election with the White House and the Senate, both Republican uh, and Trump even favoring a larger fiscal package uh, than the Republican senators. An agreement was unable to be reached on fiscal stimulus. Uh, if Biden does win, we do think the prospects for a sizable fiscal deal are certainly dwindling, and this is being priced into the Treasury market. I, you know, we think a, a small package is still possible, and it's really based on that many of the states remain in various stages of shutdown, given the rising infection rates, uh, and, you know, which are reversing the reopening efforts. And, and this is where the market focus on fiscal stimulus is playing a role. One of the ways that we have been framing up the market is really as we're moving through time, we're, we're, we're overcoming some of the hurdles. And one of the big hurdles is the election. So hopefully within the next you know, day or two or a couple of days, we will have the results hopefully sooner rather than later. And the market will once again be fully focusing on the path of the pandemic and uh, the, the success of the vaccines or moving toward vaccines. Um, so the, the, the issue with the fiscal stimulus is that the timing does matter because the purpose of it is to provide a bridge to both individuals and companies in order for them to survive the economic damage that is occurring because of the pandemic. And the longer it takes or the longer the pandemic continues and you know, these shutdowns, re-shutdowns are occurring, uh, the greater the potential damage. And without that um, fiscal stimulus, we could have the need for even more uh, stimulus or help uh, later on. 
uh, you know, the size of it does matter because it needs to be large enough to provide the support needed to the various sectors, but not so large where money is being thrown into areas where it's not needed, as, of course, we do have to um, apparently pay all of this back at some point in the future. Uh, so we think, you know, once we do know the election results, um, you know, we, like I said, we will be moving, we'll be moving past that. And, you know, I, it's not necessarily who wins the presidency at this point, uh, given that it's expected for uh, the Republicans to maintain the uh, Senate and the Democrats to hold the House, uh, which will provide some, you know, some level of gridlock. Um, I think that the market is really going to continue to focus on uh, you know, when we are going to get a safe, effective, and widely available vaccine. And the, the first major step will, of course, be the next hurdle will be, you know, will people take it? Uh, and, and that will be what the market is going to watch. And as I said, we, we do expect this bearish impulse in treasuries to continue uh, into year end. Uh, you know, in terms of IG credit spreads, we've seen very, very uh, minor moves on, on the back of the current uncertainty. We're about a basis point tighter this morning. Spreads are, are and continue to be near the post-pandemic tights, but still about 30 basis points wider than, than the January tights. Uh, the, the IG market is bifurcated, just like every other market. And for us, it really all depends, as does uh, the race market, on the recovery in, in jobs. And the bifurcation in the IG market has featured, you know, very, very strong winners in this and very strong losers. And even, uh, you know, if we don't get a fiscal plan, we, we do think that spreads should go a bit wider into uh, year-end, just given the implications for the credit market. But ultimately, once it's cleared that we have a vaccine widely available, uh, we do think that IG spreads uh, will move back to the pre-pandemic type. So on that, I will pass it back to Brian Belsky, and thank you. Thank you, Margaret and Michael. Great comments. With respect to investment strategy and how we're going to be investing through this, we published a piece early this morning entitled, We Will Know When We Know. Our research, as all of uh, BMO Capital Markets, BMO Financial Group Research, is, is located on the BMOCM.com uh, website. And also, please reach out to your relationship manager in terms of getting on these lists. Clearly, the duration and clarity uh, are keys uh, to provide much-needed confidence with respect to uh, an eventual decision. That's why we've been very steadfast with respect to our overall uh, investment strategy for all of 2020. This has been an emotional year that has impacted all of our lives from a personal level to an investment level, uh, and we have to continue to control what we can control. From an investment standpoint, we want to buy scarcity and sell capacity. So what does that mean? From a scarcity proposal, we want to buy quality assets where we know the businesses. We want to focus on themes and stock picking uh, and bottoms up fundamentals that matter again. We want to focus on growth. When growth is scarce, growth outperforms. So what does that mean? We think it's way too early to make any kind of brash portfolio decisions in both Canada and the United States. There are three parts to growth. There is secular growth, there's structural growth, and there's cyclical growth. There are parts of cyclical growth that clearly benefit the value category. But again, per Margaret's comments with respect to what interest rates are going to 
do, it's going to be very difficult for many of the value categories, especially financials from a broader perspective, uh, to make money in the very, very tight net interest margin environment that Michael that foretold with respect to the Fed not doing anything uh, for as much as three years. So what does this mean for equities? It means that higher risk premiums and zero risk-free rates will benefit equities going forward, but it really goes back to buying the scarcity proposal and knowing from a fundamental perspective what your process is, sticking with that, and turning off the rhetoric. Now, we're going to be hearing, obviously, a lot about opinions, uh, some non-objective, some, some objective with respect to what could happen. We don't know what's going to happen exactly up until the, the, on a state-by-state -state basis when the states actually ratify and certify this election. Until then... We have to stay in our lane, control what you can control, stick with your process and your discipline, and focus on quality and buying that scarcity proposal, knowing what you're buying. So that being said, we maintain our positions with respect to being overweight technology stocks, communication services stocks, and consumer discretionary stocks in the United States, as well as parts of Staples Retailing parts of financials, meaning money center banks and brokers and very select healthcare companies in Canada. We're overweight communication services and financials. We believe dividend growth is going to be an excessively important theme going forward. And now that it looks as uh, both Michael and Margaret talked about that we are not going to get the blue wave, the tax consequences and the negative consequences on areas like REITs, and utilities, and especially in Canada, uh, communication services and financials are going to not be the bigger impact that many people feared with respect to the dividend taxation side of things. And we do believe, given the low interest rate environment, that equity income is going to be a very, very important sleeve. Again, we stand at the ready in terms of BMO Financial Group and BMO Capital Markets with respect to further data and uh, further calls. We will uh, open up to another call once we have a conclusive uh, end to this. In review, from our lens, economic data is largely improving. A majority of companies exceeded their recent quarterly earnings estimates and are providing 2021 guidance at an increasing rate, and interest rates remain at or near all-time lows, all of which are positive for equities in our view. Undoubtedly, there will be heightened periods of volatility, emotion, and rhetoric as the election moves closer to a final, 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 hopefully, decision. In the meantime, we urge investors to be patient, disciplined, and process-driven instead of reactive. There will be plenty of time to properly position U.S. portfolios for what is to come in our view. Again, this too shall pass. Trust the process. Avoid brash or binary portfolio decisions. After all, we will know when we know. Two final points. Number one, duration and clarity are keys to provide much-needed confidence. Goes without saying, the faster resolution, the better. And if the pre-election polls taught us anything, investors need to avoid the noise and rhetoric. This process will likely take time and needs to be clean and clear to provide confidence. In point number two, this is not the time to make sector or market assumptions. Focus on quality, thematic, and stock picking tactics. 
versus making brash sector size or style conclusions. Please note, we will provide additional updates when applicable, especially as the final election results are conclusive. In addition, we will be publishing our 2021 year-ahead report for the U.S. and Canada soon after the 2020 presidential election has officially declared a conclusive victor. The report will include our official market and sector opinions for 2021. As the great Yogi Berra said, it ain't over till it's over. Please reach out to us if you need anything in the meantime. Thank you for listening, and thanks from all of us at BMO Capital Markets. Thanks for listening to Intune, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Intune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure.